Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack Roynet, uh, Richmond, and Anheuser Bush in Bevo with Fahima Dia uh, from Momentum Securities. Uh, hi, Fahima. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Nolatando. Thanks for having me. All right, Fahima, these are your stocks. Talk to us about why you've gone with them today. So, um, let's start with Richmond. Uh, so, in this one, we believe it does offer value at current levels given the recent pullback uh, in the share price. We are seeing a recovery in the luxury space going into uh, FY24. And uh, also expecting to see an uptick in demand coming from China and also India in the next year. Then um, the, the next one is uh, Roynet. Uh, so we like Roynet because uh, it has been benefiting from higher levels of load shedding in South Africa due to its focus on uh, electrical engineering and the renewable energy solutions. Um, it also pays a decent dividend uh, with a dividend yield of about 5% and is highly cash flow generative. And then if we move on to AB InBev, um, we like this one because it's considered a consumer staple. And at the current stage of the, the business cycle, given that the U.S. interest rates are likely to peak in the next few months, uh, we think consumer staples are likely to perform better in this type of environment. Um, so, yes, that's just a high-level analysis of those three stocks. I'd like to actually start with AB InBev. I mean, they uh, have, I was surprised to see uh, that one advert could really hammer, uh, you know, a share price like this. They really have gone through a rough patch, but their quarter two uh, mm -hmm. earnings were still quite strong for Hema, which means people still love to have a drink, even though they might be upset about an advert. But let's just talk about that, um, you know, and the pullback from the stock, uh, from a matter that I didn't think would impact a stock like AB InBev. Yes. Yeah, no, it had a huge impact on the stock. I think it lost probably about 5 billion rand in its market cap on the uh, given the backlash. So just to give a bit more background on what exactly happened there, uh, what they did was basically a promotion with a transgender influencer. It was not well received by uh, some of the right wingers and more conservative uh, people in the U.S., and um, yeah, they received a lot of backlash after that. Sales slumped quite significantly. Uh, they had to lay off some of their staff and restructure the the, the U.S. Uh, business there. So yeah, just one marketing campaign, I think, really had a very negative impact. But it's good to see in their recent results that they said it seems the worst of the backlash is behind the business. And hopefully there will be some recovery in that Bud Light uh, branding there that was actually like the best sold uh uh, brand in the U.S. before all of that uh, drama happened. So hoping that there will be some recovery there going forward. What's also interesting about AB in Bethlehem, especially in the future, a lot like cigarettes. Uh, Jane Z just isn't interested in alcohol, uh, traditional beers at least, um, you know, and we are seeing them having to look at new products, uh, interesting ciders that they're busy trying to, uh, you know, uh, bring here. But they've also uh, just made a decision to sell off six brands. I'm just keen to uh, mm -hmm. get your thoughts here. Could it be um, a bit of a trial and area period before they're able to get the right product mix for the future? Yeah, so I think the good thing with AB InBev is it's such a diversified business, um, not only in the sense of the markets that it has exposure to, because, I mean, it's it's based all over the world, right? We've got the presence in the U.S., um, in Europe, Mexico, Brazil, big presence in South Africa, which definitely provides the stock with good defensiveness um, when things do get tough. 
But um, what we also like is that it's got a lot of diversity in its brands. I mean, I think it's probably got about 500 brands or something like that. So, yeah, it's it, it obviously will in time, you know, look to chop and change that uh, depending on what feedback they're getting from the market and what seems to be working or not working. I also saw recently that um, they're also investing quite a bit in non-alcoholic beers. Mm-hmm. Try and um, you know target the market where uh, consumers prefer to not drink alcohol, which is also expected to be a, a good uh, growth uh, lever for the company going forward. So uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is just basically uh, coming from the market research that they're doing on the ground. Uh, they're investing a lot uh, in terms of marketing going forward. Um, so I think all of that is probably uh, what's driving their current decisions. We'll be watching this one very closely. Um, I think the alcohol industry of the future will look very, very different to what we see now. Let's uh, talk now about Roynet. Now, this is actually, uh, it's a very complex company if you don't know engineering terms. So when I spent time reading on it, I thought, what on earth? do these people do? But it's very interesting because um, they have managed to really grow their electrical engineering offering. But also interesting was that acquisition of IQ business, uh, which brings up Mm -hmm. their uh, ICT business and boosts that. uh, Fahima, let's just talk about uh, this model here. Yeah, sure. Yes, uh, it's a bit complex. So it's it's actually a tech company um, and it's got uh, its divisions include um, electrical engineering, uh, then they've also got ICT and they've got uh, applied um, uh, electronics. Uh, so the renewable energy actually sits in the applied electronics division. Uh, if we look at the recent results, though, uh, like you said, uh, Nolatando, it's been very good uh, given the fact that load shedding has been, uh, you know, on the rise in the country. Uh, if we look at it, revenue increased by about 50%. Uh, operating profit almost tripled, uh, driven by the demand for renewable energy and also uh, because of the demand from that electrical engineering division. So if we look at the electrical engineering division in particular, the profit there grew about 45% as demand for cables and circuit breakers increased on the back of load filling problems. Um, so applied electronics, which, like I said, includes the renewable uh, energy segment, um, saw profit surge almost 200%. Um, to that renewable energy demand and uh, on the back of all that dividends increased by 11 percent. so all in all a very strong set of results and then just to speak about the iq acquisition so they managed to complete that um recently they bought a 74 percent stake in iq business which is one of south africa's largest management and consulting firms uh, it consults to the financial services retail and telecom sector as well as um, the manufacturing sector So we're expecting this acquisition to create quite a lot of synergies within the ICT division of Roynet. And uh, it's definitely a positive for the company going forward. Now, I think uh, the most interesting counter for me today has to be Richmond. We saw a rally uh, in Richmond over a time when most stocks, uh, you know, were battling uh, to gain any value. And then from nowhere, Fahim, and I still think it's from nowhere, there was a pullback on this stock. Just talk to us about the volatility that it's seen over the last few months. Mm. Yeah, so I think um, what probably resulted in the pullback in that stock was um, the fact that demand from the U.S. has just been a lot softer than what was expected. So if we look at the results, um, from the U.S., like I said, was uh, the sales were down there uh, for FY23. And also, if you look at the Q1 sales number numbers, that was weaker. 
So uh, the good thing, though, is during FY23, that was offset by other countries, uh, which enabled us to achieve record sales. Um, and then the disposal of uh, lots making Yuxnet supporter has also been a positive for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but the luxury segment in general, I think it's experiencing a bit of a pullback because of the softer sales that are coming out of the U.S. And then we've also got the issues with China, where uh, the recovery in China has been a lot slower than what was expected. Softer data numbers have come out from China. And I think the market is concerned, given that China is obviously a very big market for luxury brands. Um, but what the market maybe isn't taking into account, uh, Nolatando, is the potential of the um, the Indian market. So uh, India is expected to show a lot of uh, growth for luxury goods in the next few years, given the rising uh, middle class consumer there. So we are expecting to see demand from there offset some of the weakness in the other markets, um, such as the U.S. and um, China. And um, if we look at some of Richmond's products, you know, the uh, it's been very resilient. Like if we look at the specialist watchmakers and the jewelry segment, it continues to do well. And um, they recently also acquired that second-hand online watch watch platform mm. called Watchfinder, which has been quite good for consumers because it also enables them to be able to resell their products online. And um, given the, the the failure of Yuxnet Supporter, the online presence now is going to be focused on partnering with Farfetch, which is expected to uh, yield pretty positive results for the company in terms of getting their online presence back on track. So, yeah, like I said, even though, you know, China is expected um, to experience some slowness and the U.S. is uh, markets a bit softer, we are expecting the luxury segment to recover in the in the next year, probably in early uh, 2024. And there will definitely be some upside on this one. I must ask you, Fahima, do you have an idea why Yuxnet Porter wasn't a success? In my mind, uh, you know, as a, as a shopper myself, I think it's a great platform. Of course, I've never checked anything out because I can't afford it. But I'll still fill the cards. Yeah. And I think there are people, uh, you know, who still fill the card there. But for some reason, it just wasn't able to deliver any value for or, Richmond. Yeah, I think like a host of issues with this um, channel, uh, Nolatando. So from what I read, there were issues with the marketing strategy, also culture and management issues within that business. So what's happening now is that um, Farfetch is actually going to take a stake in uh, the Yuxnet supporter. And um, in in turn for that, they're going to now offer uh, Richmond a, a, a platform for online sales, which is expected to better than what Yuxnet supported. Uh, uh, did. So um, it seems positive from that point of view. And also, uh, Richmond said that they're looking to partner with Alibaba uh, to get their online presence uh, where they need to get it in China, of course. So at least, I mean, uh, they've obviously learned their lesson. It was a hard lesson to learn, given all the, you know, the losses from Yuxnet support over the past few years. But it seems, you know, they've uh, they've put that impairment through now. It's obviously had an impact on the bottom line on the earnings per share, but. It's hopefully now behind the business and they can move forward. Avaima, for the benefit of our retail investors, just keen to get, uh, you know, your ranking of these uh, stocks uh, from the one that you would uh, totally buy tomorrow to the one that you'd probably hold back on. Um, yes, I would say uh, Richmond's probably the one that I would uh, totally back if I had to buy it now. It's not often that you get the opportunity to buy a company like Richmond at the valuation that it's at at the moment, it's always so fully priced. Um, if we look at the valuation at the moment, it's trading at a, a forward P of about 17 times. 
And um, if you look at the discount between Richmond and LVMH, um, it's actually quite broad now. So generally, Richmond will trade at a discount to LVMH, but it seems that that discount has definitely increased over the past few weeks, which shows us that it is looking significantly undervalued in comparison to LVMH. So I think Richmond is definitely one um, that I would buy. And um, the second one, I think, that provides some defensiveness would be uh, AB InBev. Um, you know, of course, it's a it's a global, well-recognized brand, and um, we're expecting to see, you know, further recovery there once um, the U.S. economy rebounds. And uh, it's more of a safer play, I'd say, in the current climate. Um, and then probably lastly would be uh, the, the likes of Roynet, um, simply just because it's a small a smaller company. It, it doesn't have a lot of liquidity, and therefore it may not be appropriate for all investors, but also a good one that I do like. All right, Fahima, we don't have much time left, but keen to get your uh, educational term for the week. I believe it's share buyback. Yes. Um, so basically, share buybacks occur when a company buys back its own shares in the open market. It will often do this as a way to distribute uh, excess cash to shareholders. The, the impact of the share buyback is that it is usually reduces the number of shares in issue and results in an increase in uh, the earnings per share of a company. Um, the company will often buy back shares at a premium to the market price. It's generally seen as a good sign to the market when a company buys back its shares because it sends a signal that uh, the company believes its stock is undervalued at current pricing, uh, but also that um, instead of investing in unprofitable businesses, the company would rather return excess cash to shareholders, which is always a good thing. Well, Fahima, fantastic having you on StockPix. Thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon and hope we can catch up again uh, soon. That was Fahima Dia from Momentum Securities with your Wednesday edition of StockPix.